hand over the milk money, Weaver. I'm afraid I can't do that, Derek. I'm just not sure you'll spend it on milk. That's me, Mitch Weaver. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the DTF Podcast. My name is Sam Norton. Thank you again for joining me as we dissect comedy and comedy-related things and shit, just shit that I like. I like to put it out there so that way you guys can have an inkling of uh, tasteful art because I am the authority upon which you should base your whole artistic life off of. I know what I'm talking about. I am a person with a massive ego, so isn't that isn't that enough to uh, to make claims, right? That's how uh, that's how we have our presidential candidates in 2016. Ooh, look at this guy! What is he getting political? Wow, he's really pushing the envelope. Divisiveness. <laughs> Thank you for joining uh, today. As promised, if you listen to the uh, last two-parter episode of Don Rickles. I promised that we would talk about one of my favorite comedy movies from when I was growing up, uh, the movie Dirty Works. Movie Dirty Works. If you guys don't know, it's a 1998 film starring both Norm MacDonald and Artie Lang. It's a, it's a fucking great comedy that got horrible reviews and on a personal level, because I like to personalize all the things that I tell you about, uh, give you my stamp of why I, I like this, this was my friend Austin, my best friend Austin growing up, he was my next door neighbor, we did, I mean, we were inseparable up until, yeah, about high school and shit, um, but we, uh, this, to my knowledge, was like our first adult movie or adult comedy that we discovered by ourselves and so it was one of those like first things that you're like oh like when I, you remember i know a lot of people have had this conversation like what was the first music album that you bought like from your own taste from your own thing uh everybody has those conversations uh this was actually the first movie uh i think of any genre this is the first movie that we found and completely adored, watched over and over and over and watched watched it and, and laughed our asses off. And it was one of those movies that you would go like, dude, have you seen Dirty Works? And everybody's like, fucking no, we haven't seen that. Uh, so yeah, it, was, it didn't, didn't really do well. I was looking up reviews while doing research for this. Uh, got real harsh reviews uh, from almost everybody. New York Times, Los Angeles... Times Rotten Tomatoes gives it a 17% critic rating, so that's what we're at. Uh, the average reviews of 30 reviews to be uh, open, but like, I think it's one of those cult classics. I think it's like you either get it or you don't. It is Norm MacDonald who uh, got famous from SNL, Artie Lang who was on Mad TV for a stint, but most of you probably know him as a co-host of uh, Howard Stern show. He was on there for a while. Uh, some of the reviews that came in for this, that way we could all be as one in what we're talking about, uh, said it was a tone-deaf, shattered shot, and disparately cheesy affair, 
with more groans than laughs. That was from, I believe, the New York, or the LA Times. So, right, that's a pretty good, pretty good review. So yeah, people shit all over it. I fucking love it. It's very, it was written by uh, Norm MacDonald and a few other names I don't recognize. I'll say them so maybe you guys recognize them. Uh, Fred Wolf and Frank so Sebastino? Whatever. I don't know if I can know him, but th those are the other two writers. But you can definitely tell it was written in Norm MacDonald's voice. Um, it's very... Like, it's a laugh a minute, basically. There's, it's, there's very little fat in the whole script. And by that I mean you go... You go very little time without a punchline or a gag being revealed. And also there's a lot of uh, callbacks and themes throughout the movie that are just fucking hilarious. Now before we get into dissecting that, um, let me let me tell you, like this is fucking star-studded, right? Um, so, no, like I said, the two stars that you guys will definitely, like the co-stars, are Norm MacDonald and Artie Lang. Uh, but then the other stars are Jack Warden, who you guys may know from a fuckload of movies, especially back in the 70s. Chris Farley, uh, who is, you know, Chris Farley from SNL. Christopher McDonald, who is Shooter McGavin and Happy Gilmore. Chevy Chase, also from SNL. Don Rickles, which, like I told you, I would, I, I'm gonna play his clip here in a second. John Goodman plays a bit part in this. Adam Sandler plays a bit part in this. David Koechner plays a bit part in this. Rebecca Romaine Stamos, now Rebecca Romaine, plays a bit part in this. And Gary Coleman plays, like, it's just so many star-studded people in this cast. Uh, and it, it, to me, it doesn't disappoint. It's so fucking funny. Now, the, the whole point of this movie uh, is it's a buddy comedy, kind of slash romantic comedy, about Mitch, who's played by Norm MacDonald, and Sam, played by Artie, who start a revenge for hire business, and they save their dad, and they're, they're doing that in order to save their dad, Pops, played by Jack Warden, uh, to, like, raise money for a surgery. That's what they're trying to save him. And they work, they work for different people around the community, which gets heightened bigger and bigger, like, their company starts getting a little bit more traction and shit, until... It finally culminates into working with and for a corrupt businessman, and they get tricked into fucking over the community that they were helping. Uh, and but they they worked with that guy because he promised them like fifty thousand dollars or a big payday, which is like oh that's gonna pay off Pops's thing. Uh, the antagonist, the businessman, is McDonald, uh, Christopher McDonald. Uh, and in the middle of all this buddy comedy type thing, like saving their dad and shit is that budding love story between Mitch, who's Norm MacDonald, and a girl named Kathy, who is Trailer Howard, who is in Monk, and a few other things. You guys would know her if you saw her face. Um, and it's it's a really funny comedy that's... Uh, it's, it's this weird... Like, I think why it's a cult thing is because, like I said, it's, uh, it's this weird thing to where it's... It's definitely a movie that's taking itself seriously with its plot um, through the writing. Like, the writing is very, uh, you know, furthering the plot, making gags, making sure it's funny. But with the acting of both Artie and Norm and Chris, uh, especially Chris Farley, 
it's so either deadpan or over the top or not poorly acted but so comedically acted that it feels like a like an hour and a half sketch and i think that's why it got such bad reviews is because people were like well this doesn't feel like a movie that i've seen it just feels like an hour and a half sketch but to me it doesn't disappoint because it's so fucking funny now the two um we're going to get to clips. The two clips that we're going to do, uh, one is the Don Rickles sketch. Now, what happens in this clip is Don Rickles plays one of their bosses towards the beginning of the movie. And it's uh, them uh, getting back at their boss. Mitch and Artie's character live by one motto, which is don't take no crap from anybody. In the beginning of the movie, they kind of explain that. I'm explaining it to you now. And so they get this shitty job to try to pay off Pops' money, and they're just, they're just trying to go through menial jobs. Well, they get a job at a movie theater, and Don Rickles plays their boss. So we're going to listen to this clip, and this is the beginning and how they get the idea to further the plot and do dirty work. All right. Uh, enjoy this clip, and enjoy Don Rickles being himself. Love you. Bye. Gentlemen, members of the national office are coming here tonight for their annual inspection of this theater. Right now, I'm going to explain to you my managing style for the benefit of the new guys. <laughs> so there you are, Tubby. Ah, you look like a bucket of lard on a bad day. You baby gorilla. Why don't you work a zoo and stop bothering people? Got a call yesterday from Baskin Robbins. They said that they're down to only five flavors. You're swelling up as I talk to you. Look at you. How's this? How's it doing? Hello, ice cream. Having a good time? <laughs> Running around? <laughs> what are you laughing at? Because I called your friend a fat pig, huh? You think that's funny? Oh, no, I was just laughing uh, earlier when you were talking to his belly. Don't you get a horse and live in the mountains someplace and don't bother anybody? Got a personality like a dead moth. Okay. The fun's over. Anybody messes this thing up for me tonight is through. Not only are you fired, your life is over. I'll see to it that you never work again and that you wind up tearing tickets off in Kuwait. Salam alaikum, and everybody's sucking sand. Nobody messes up. You understand me? Don't mess up. That guy's going to be our boss? Then after a speech like that, how does he expect us not to screw him over? Yeah. Every one of us said the exact same thing our first day working for Hamilton. Only nobody ever does anything. Well, trust me, this isn't just talk. Nobody screws me over like that. Yeah, me neither. Hey, I can't help you because I need this job. But if you really screw over Hamilton, I'll give you ten bucks. Mark me down for twenty. Mm -hmm. Mr. Witherspoon. Class operation, Hamilton. Good job. Thank you, sir. Let me get you some refreshments. Okay, we're all set. One. Two, three, look away! Look, an alien. Yeah, we better have sex with each other. Note to self. Sam just looked at the screen. No, I didn't. I was just making sure that the real had the... Hey, this alien looks just like a hot guy. You're right. We better have sex with him. Give me that. Took you long enough, you dummy.
through. Dude, that was amazing. You should do that stuff for a living. All right, that was the scene at a Dirty Works with Don Rickles getting fucked over by Norm Macdonald and Artie Lang. Uh, fucking hilarious. Uh, we're not going to dive too much into this one because I want to dive into the next clip. Uh, there, there's a couple of things, though. One at the end when he says, uh, note to self, uh, Sam just looked at the screen. That's a running gag that they do. At the very beginning, he always makes notes to himself. And whenever there's a, not a lull, but whenever there's just kind of a, a dead part in the script and they need like a quick gag, they always run back to that where he's always like making notes to himself or pl accidentally playing back shit that he wants to keep private. It's a very funny and easy gag and it's actually part of the plot throughout. And it's, it's a very smart, subtle thing to be like, yeah, this is one of his weird quirks is that he makes uh, notes to himself and then becomes like a... A major plot point uh, towards the end of the uh, the movie, and uh, that type of writing, I don't think people give enough credit. I guess whenever they were reviewing, like, "Oh, this is dumb," it's like, "Duh, the script is fucking amazing." You just don't like that it's a a fucking not slapstick, but just it's the movie is so goddamn tongue in cheek with all the acting. Maybe not in this scene. The next one, you'll you'll definitely hear it. Uh, the other thing is. Uh, the, the reason I wanted to play this and why it sparked, uh, me even doing Dirty Works was when I was doing the Don Rickles thing, the thing I quote most about Don Rickles is this goddamn scene. Me and my friend Austin, the, you look like a bucket of lard on a bad day. We used to say that and laugh our fucking asses off. It's so, like, that one, and why don't you get a horse, go live up in the mountains, don't bother anybody. Like, it's so... But I don't know why those hit me so hard, but I, 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 I remember as a kid watching this. So this was 1988. I was maybe 10 years old by the time I saw this, right? Uh, well, I was born eight, Yeah, so 10, 11, 12 years old. I was in middle school, right? And uh, you guys know me. I like insult comedy, but I'd never heard anything creative before. It was always like, you know, playground insults of, you know, you're fat, you're dumb, whatever. Someone saying you look like a bucket of lard on a bad day was so... And it's still funny to me. Like, that's such a good <laughs> insult. And I, I swear to God, if my friend was here right now, we would just be quoting this goddamn movie with that. Uh, <laughs> and you guys heard the clip at the very beginning that uh, when he does that, he actually comes out of the trash can uh, when he gets thrown into it and he makes a note to self. Uh, so that's what Norm Macdonald does. He, he always does the note to selves, and then, uh, this, this whole clip, uh, was the beginning of Dirty Work, their company, right? The guy who says, oh, you guys should do that for a living, fun fact, is actually Chris Farley's brother, Kevin Farley, who, back, uh, when Chris Farley was doing movies, he always, like, in order to help his brother out fucking shoved shoved like favors in people's face like hey come on give my brother a bit part let's do this so he's uh he's in the movie helping out uh, and gives uh takes the bet with those guys uh i also love the anytime uh i hear someone say like oh that's a hot guy or that's a hot something i always go in my head because of this movie yeah we better have sex with it like just that shitty porn movie uh, was definitely burned in the back of my skull because of this scene. 
Uh, I think this might be my second favorite scene out of the whole movie. Is you look like a bucket of lard on a bad day, and that alien looks like a hot guy. Yeah, probably have sex with it. <laughs> um, so I said, so that that's the beginning of that. Didn't want to really dissect it, just kind of wanted to have a moment of nostalgia with you. And so that way, if you ever hear me say, you look like a bucket of lard on a bad day, you know where it's going to come from in the future. Um, now, the scene that I do want to dissect, uh, this is after um, they start doing dirty work and uh, they need to get advertisement, but they don't have any money for a commercial. Uh, Mitch meets Kathy, the uh, female antagonist of the movie. Uh, wait, antagonist? I think so. No, not antag. Whatever. Female, per the main person, right? One he's trying to sleep with. And, uh, he saw, he breaks, or he, uh, hits two birds with one stone. He wants to impress her and help her out, because she's talking, uh, they're talking outside, and she works at a used car dealership and says how much she fucking hates her, like, not abusive boss, but he's just a real fucking scumbag. The boss of the used car dealership is played by David Koechner, who you may have known from the Anchorman movies, I think he was on SNL for a while, um, but he, uh, he's like this really dickhead boss, and he finds out that this dickhead boss is shooting a live commercial for his, uh, uh, used car dealership. So, in order to help the girl out that he fancies, aka ruin this dude's life because he's a dickhead, and to get free TV time for a commercial, they come up with this plan. So this is the next clip, and that's the backstory. We show up in the, in the clip to David Koechner starting to shoot or film his TV, live TV commercial. So enjoy this, we'll come back and dissect what's great about it. Hello everyone, I'm Anton Phillips, president of Phillips Motors. We'll return in a moment to the Channel 11 movie matinee, but I'm right here with you live to show you a great batch of luxury automobiles like this one-year-old Cadillac DeVille, priced right at $36,000, fully loaded, V8 engine, standard, shock-resistant CD player, standard. Hey, the trunk uh, looks kind of small there, Anton. This is live. I'm on live TV. Trunk's fine. As you can see, friend, it's not small. It's a big trunk. I'll show you right here. Well, you got a dead hooker oh, in the trunk. What? No, it can't be. Yes, it was. It was a dead hooker. It wasn't a dead hooker. Pal, I know a dead hooker when I see one. What's happening? Hey, folks, yeah, come on hey, down. Hey, here's another oh, dead God. hooker in this That's... trunk. What? Oh, my goodness. What are you doing? I've never seen so many dead hookers in all my life. Lord knows I have. I can remember a time. Hey, look. There's Mitch on TV. Oh, yeah. There's Mitch. And there's the Saigon whore that bit my nose off! These are nice cars. These are luxury automobiles. I got a whole place. They're fully loaded. They're loaded with dead hookers. You're seeing things. Don't shoot this! This is not part of the commercial! Is some jerk making your life miserable? You want revenge? Call 555-0187. Let us do your dirty work. And we're clear. Wake up, slut! 
Well, well, well. We meet again. Nosebiter! Time to pay the fiddler, whore! Alright, that was uh, what I affectionately call the I've never seen so many dead hookers in all my life. Lord knows I have seen. <laughs> that, that, that by far, it's got to be the most iconic one, uh, the uh, most iconic clip or scene of this movie. It's so fucking funny. Uh, now, I just realized while watching it, I, uh, I forgot to tell you, Chris Farley's character, we'll get into this before we get into... Uh, Norm Macdonald's quote-unquote acting. Chris Farley's character, uh, I guess this kind of plays into, like, how over-the-top the acting is. So anyways, Chris Farley's character plays Sam and Mitch's, like, bar friend, who's just this, like, weird, creepy mechanic dude. Uh, but he's missing half a nose. And the story is, that he always tells, is that he, uh... <laughs> He had a Saigon hooker bite his nose off. Well, in this scene, one of the hookers that's playing dead in the trunk, uh, he sees her on TV, and then that's when he's like, that's the Saigon whore that bit my nose off. So he runs to the commercial, uh, where the place where they're shooting the commercial, and then, uh, and then confronts her. Uh, by the end of the movie, spoiler alert, they end up falling, like, not falling in love, but getting together, and then, uh, it's such a dumb thing, but they, like, they have the, him and the Saigon whore have their own almost off-camera relationship that, like, we kind of dip in and out of throughout the story, and it's so dumb and over-the-top, because Chris Farley is dumb and over-the-top, like, you, you can almost tell that Chris Farley was not even getting paid for his, <laughs> For his involvement, like he was doing it as a favor for Norm Macdonald, so in that case, he had no subtlety. He's just he's either screaming or acting like a, a dopey cartoon throughout the whole movie, and it's fucking hilarious. Just there's the Saigon whore that bit my nose off. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, that's uh, that's part of the overacting of this. Uh, <laughs> um, another person who does overacting is. Um, uh, the guy who plays Pops, uh, uh, was it Jack, uh, Jack Warden, he does a lot of overacting, because his character throughout the whole thing is this just creepy old man who also loves whores. So there's, there's so many, like, hooker, prostitute, not jokes, but just references and, uh, relationships. Like, the, the, there's a, there's a gaggle, a gaggle of hookers? I don't know what a group, a murder of hookers, a... A flock of hookers, but there, there's just a group of hookers that they keep going back to, and Mitch refers to them affectionately as uh, his um, his loyal army of whores is what <laughs> is what he affectionately calls them, and they're always just like his posse, like helping him out. Uh, especially with this, he needed to play a prank uh, on this guy to do it, so he hired all these whores to hop into a trunk and play dead. Later, they act as his bodyguard. Like, it's fucking not completely weird, but it is uh, a little strange. Um, but the other thing that I want to talk about, though, eh, there's a dead hooker in there. David Koechner does a great job of actually acting in this. Uh, where he just plays a dickhead, gets pissed off, then is uh, confronted with the reality that there's dead hookers in all of his trunks. 
during his live taping. It plays like a desperate, angry man who's losing control, uh, whereas Norm MacDonald juxtaposed to that, uh, in true Norm MacDonald fa fashion, is almost this dumb, not dumb, but like just deadpan Norm MacDonald. Like he's acting, but he's almost acting very tongue-in-cheek, where he's like, I've never seen so many dead hookers in all my life. Like, it seems like a sketch that he's trying to make someone like Jimmy Fallon break in. You know what I mean? And the whole time, Artie Lang's character is sitting there with... Uh, I know you guys are wondering because it's all visual. Artie Lang's character is sitting there with uh, car clickers and popping the trunk so that way they keep coming up. So that's the ooh, 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 thing you keep hearing. Uh, I, and I love, I think that scene more than anything really showcases the rest, the tone of the movie. Um, now here's a, here's a plot twist, right? The movie, I, I think, uh, is his only feature length film. I know he's done some other directing on Smore Time, but this was the only feature length massively released movie. It's directed by fucking Bob Saget. Like, Full House's own Bob Saget. And I can't help but think that these hookers and whores were actually Bob Saget's idea. If you only know Bob from Full House and uh, America's Funniest Home Videos, that is not the real Bob Saget. He is a dirty... Uh, if you've ever seen the show Californication with uh, David Duchovny, I think, on Showtime, that is more like... Uh, Bob Saget's actual uh, personality. If you guys don't know that show, because it's not that well-known of a show, Bob Saget is kind of this fatherly person that is more of a, of a playboy. Like, he's more like a Hugh Hefner-type guy in reality, and his comedy kind of reflects that. He's dirty and creepy and he goes for shock value. And so this movie, when I saw that he actually directed it, I wasn't entirely shocked. Because that this is more what Bob Saget would have been doing throughout the 90s if he could have chose uh, what, what he was doing and got money for it. He did Full House and America's Funniest Home Videos because it was a pretty fucking paycheck. Uh, but Bob Saget, this is more of his style. And the <laughs> I, I just love that in this scene it it goes it goes from a tone of like at the very beginning of oh, what are they gonna do? Are they gonna it, you almost get this ominous feeling like, oh, are they gonna shower him with shit on there, or are they gonna do so? It seems something very obvious, because up until this point, there was no utilization of the army of hookers. After this, it's almost every situation where they need an ex machina type thing, like a bailout, like, oh, how do we fix this situation? They always just have an army of whores, so this is the first part of that. So you think, oh, they're going to pour a bucket of blood on him or something like that. And then whenever he says, oh, that trunk looks small, you go, oh, what's going on? Then you see a dead hooker in there, and it's so fucking funny, because then they just keep calling back with the dead hookers. Um, there's, I, I, I guess I want to talk about, I don't know why this, like, the writing on this movie makes me feel like I'm insane. Like, I don't know what funny is, or I don't know what good comedy is, because I can't imagine that 
so many reviews, like on Rotten Tomatoes, right? I'm not one person to follow the crowd. I, I, I'd like to think I try to make my own path in some facet or another. Uh, but it does gotta have you wondering after a while when it, when something's so poorly received, uh, are you just insane? You know what I mean? Like, are, do you have such little perspective or good taste that, uh, that you think like, no, everybody else, if everybody else is wrong. So that's kind of what I wanted to like hash out in my head with you guys is like, is it, am I dumb? I, I find both of these clips fucking hilarious, even out of context. In context, they're 13,000 times more funny. Uh, and and, this, and I, I feel like that's a problem with uh, a lot of comedies that I, uh, comedy movies that I find enjoyable. Um, movies in general, drama, action, shit like that, I actually find my my sense of what's good and bad kind of lines up with uh, popular opinion or more popular opinion. Uh, and But it's with comedies is where the shit I seem to find funny on film isn't necessarily what gets huge uh, box office ratings. Like, shit like... There, there's so many different, uh, fucking movies out there that, like, oh, that was a, that was a funny movie. One in particular was, a train wreck, right? It was Amy Schumer's movie, and I went to go watch it with my wife, and we were sitting there, and I was like, I, I get it. I get this movie, and there were, like, funny little quips, but that was the problem, and I think that's the problem I find with a lot of comedies is, like, there's just a lot of, like, Quips. There's no, um, I'm going to steal a phrase from a buddy of mine, Peter John Burns, an ood. I learned about it from him. I guess the, the theme, the feeling, the, the essence of a movie is not comedy. Like it seemed a lot of, a lot of comedies in my experience try to have their cake and eat it too, right? When they have a love story, the love story in, in whatever the love story shows up, it becomes a love story. It ceases to be a comedy. Where in this movie, uh, you know, Mitch will say, hey, uh, I, I really fancy you. And where the music should swell and there should be like a, uh, you know, a tender moment, uh, he gets thrown out of a bar. Or uh, she says no and he makes a uh, note to self to try to fix something. Like, there's never a lack of comedy in this. Like, it's, it's, it's unabashedly a comedy. And I find that most comedies like that, when they are just like, no, we're going straight comedy. It is an hour and a half sketch. I find that, like, most reviews of those movies, people go like, this is fucking stupid. Like, nobody likes this. Uh, and then the public have these, like, cult, like myself, have these cult... Uh, swellings behind it and go, no, this is great because it go it seeks out to be exactly what it is. It's not trying to be multiple different genres. I, uh, like, ones that I, like, pop into my head are, uh, like, Dumb and Dumber. I remember when Dumb and Dumber came out, it made a 
fuckload of money, like a ridiculous amount. And yet the critical response uh, was pretty low as well. It's gone up quite a bit, uh, but it, it it's... I, I I don't know what like that's one of my more famous com- famous more favorite comedies which I will dissect in a future episode. But I I remember the critics on that were like this is fucking stupid. And it's like well it's called Dumb and Dumber, uh, and I feel like whenever you're a comedy and you go one hundred percent for a comedy, uh, it uh, people don't seem to like it. Now, there are exceptions, especially the Happy Madison productions. Adam Sandler stuff, you have Billy Madison, uh, you have uh, Happy Gilmore, that type of shit. People loved Adam Sandler's thing. But the difference between Adam Sandler's thing and something like Dirty Works is Dirty Works was as goofy as Adam Sandler, but as biting sarcasm as... Like David Spade in Black Sheep and uh, Tommy Boy, so you have the the, the silliness of of you know that type of genre, kind of slapsticky type comedy, which is in there. But then you also have the uh, biting uh, smartassness that you would have in. Um, I'm trying to. I mean, Tommy Boy is probably the best thing that I can think of. Uh, nice little quips and uh, shit like that. And I wonder if that turns people off, where it's like, I only want one style of comedy. Which is where, uh, you know, Dumb and Dumber got probably so much money at the box office, because Dirty Works was a fucking failing, whereas Dumb and Dumber and Tommy Boy did amazing at the box office. Maybe, but it, maybe it was because it wasn't... Uh, you know, it was one genre. It was, uh, you know, Tommy Boy was kind of the the more written material, where it's there's a plot and it uh, it, it furthers by the the written thing and not so much by the performance. Whereas Dumb and Dumber and something like Ace Ventura, there's no real good plot. It's it's definitely not furthered by that. It's furthered by the performance and the slapstick nature. And Dirty Works, I think, is a mixture between the two, so maybe that's where it falls short. Uh, but I don't, I don't even see it that way. I think, I think the slapstick nature fills the gaps. It, it's almost like whenever you have, uh, I used to do landscaping, so whenever you fill a hole, right, you put big gravel, rocks, and shit to plug it, and then you fill in the gaps between that with sand. I find the script is that big, meaty. Those rocks, right? Those are the big hitting jokes that hit, right? And there's there's uh, empty space in between, right? In the field of empty space, you have the physical slapstick comedy. Norm MacDonald's character Mitch being thrown around uh, all the time. Uh, or uh, Chevy Chase's character is a, is a fucking buffoon that's in there. Uh, and there's all... <laughs> there's, there's a lot of, like allusion to like gay rape uh and it's done in a very slapstick way uh, as as weird as that sounds so i see it as that where i think other people may see it as like oh it's just it's just this dumb comedy that's just 
going for the lowest common denominator. It's like, okay, well, Dumb and Dumber was going for the lowest common denominator and it made a fuckload of money. Tommy Boy was going for a higher class of comedy and it made a fuckload of money. This is going for both. Why did it fail? And I think maybe it's because people saw it not do well on both ends, whereas I would have the strongest opinion against that. It's both funny and dumb and funny and smart. Uh, and I hope that you guys watch it because it, every fucking time it makes me laugh. You look like a bucket of lard on a bad day. <laughs> And the, the thing is, Norm, I, I would like to see more movies written by him uh, and kind of starred by him, too. I, I see star potential in it. Now, I see niche star potential with Norm. He definitely can't act his way out of a paper bag, but Norm has created a character by himself. I think David Spade, uh, in my opinion, had that similar career. He had Tommy Boy, Black Sheep, uh, almost every movie that he was a big star in, other than Joe Dirt. Uh, but even David Spade came out in Joe Dirt a little bit. Is like that snarky person who he is on stage is his best role. And that's the same with Norm MacDonald, the weird kind of sarcastic ass who Norm is on stage, I think plays wonderfully on the screen. Because you don't ever see that on on film, and I think that's a big problem, in my opinion, with comedies in general, but movies in general too. Is like you have the same tropes all the time, and this goes back to uh, Amy Schumer. Now, Amy Schumer is very much, I think, the if, if I remember correctly, one of the first women, or one of very, few, I'm not saying first, one of very few women to star in her own. Uh, her own comedy movie uh, where she's unabashedly the star and not only the star but the uh not playing the straight man there are a lot of comedies especially back in like the 70s and 80s where the woman would play the straight man working their way through a bunch of buffoons of men trying to grab their ass and shit whereas amy schumer kind of plays the goose through the whole thing so i did like that um about that but there is that same trope that it's uh, just, a, just a woman trying to get by. And like I said, it's trying to have its cake and eat its too. It is a, it, she wrote it as a romantic comedy, so I gotta give it that. But it's like, I would like to see... Um, I, would, I would like to see a movie that is based more in, uh, in an original idea of... Com and those are the type of comedies I like. Blazing Saddles, Dumb and Dumber... Fucking Ace Ventura. These movies have romantic elements, but they are their own sort of comedy. Another one that I like is uh, Step Brothers, uh, The Other Guys. These are original comedies in my mind that are not uh, guy getting girl. And I know some of you are like, well, Sam, isn't that part of Dirty Works? He's trying to get the girl. Yeah, but the main thing, the, you don't get a love story until like 30 to 40 minutes into the movie, okay? The movie is definitely about two guys trying to save their dad. They put a love element in there, 
why? And I guarantee they did this because some producer or someone helping writing the movie were like, these two guys are scumbags. You gotta write something that makes us want to be on their side. They gotta be the protagonist. That, that's the word I was trying to think of earlier. They gotta be the protagonist of, of this movie. And I, I guarantee they wrote a love story in there because it, it, it doesn't seem forced. Uh, I think they did a good job writing this, uh, this woman in. Kathy, that character, uh, she is involved in the plot and uh, plays a good antithesis morally. But I guarantee that first draft was just two dudes trying to save their dad. And they threw this in there to give an element of humanity and likes. They're, they're the good guys. They're not dirtbags. And I feel like too many movies, too many comedy movies, are built around, whenever their original script, get built around... This love element, and I don't like it. It's uh, it's fine for if you're gonna do a romantic comedy, which uh, you know I can hear people already going like, "Whoa, fucking Trainwreck was built around it." Like, yeah, but it, I don't think it had to be. I think she, I think you could have had, especially an Amy Schumer movie. Who Amy Schumer, uh, you know, goes out of her way to say how much of a a powerful woman she is. You could have had her in any. Uh, I mean, that, that whole movie could have just been about her trying to get by and help her dad out. That was a very humanizing moment in that movie. Uh, if you guys haven't seen Trainwreck, very humanizing movie moment in that movie where her dad, I think, has uh, I think it's Alzheimer's or uh, cerebral palsy. He has some disorder or disease. And, uh, you know, she's, and her dad was also a divorcee who set her down this path of, like, you should never get married and stuff. I would have loved a movie where she's a train wreck, and she's not trying to fall in love with a guy and find happiness that way. She's trying to fix a relationship with her father and her sister, and just watch her be a train wreck and her, her father and her sister, uh, you know, pull her back into the family. I would have loved to seen that. That's a that's an original thing that doesn't put, uh, you know, the trope of oh this woman has got to find love to find happiness. We've seen it with Sex in the City and shit like that. And that's what I like about. Uh, so going back to Dirty Works, which is what we're here to talk about. So what I like about Dirty Works is I don't know a single other movie that has this style of uh, of uh, not style, but this. Even close to this original idea of a comedy movie is uh, got to raise money. You have buddy, co you have a buddy movie. You got to have raise money. Got to try to get the girl. But more importantly, it's based off of that one simple idea of don't take no crap from anybody. And I think that's the theme of the movie, right? You have all these other things that play into it, but the one major theme of the movie is. When you're a down-and-out loser, right, and that's what the movie paints both uh, Artie Lang's character and Norm MacDonald's character. When you're a down-and-out loser, you're not in the best of shape, you're not a fucking smart person by any stretch of the imagination, you're not even uh, uh, really talented, you, you have no talented. It's, it's, it's basically a movie about losers. But what losers can do is if you have the will, there's a way. And I know I'm pulling out so much fucking, <laughs> like, Tony Robbins shit from this. So I don't mean to get too serious about a movie that is just slapsticky and fun. But it is that theme. The major theme of it 
is don't take crap from nobody and just because you don't have any immediate ways of being an alpha you can find a way to do that you can use your fucking wit your guile your your fucking sarcastic ass smart ass nature and learn to get back at the people it's fighting the man and i like that there are very very few comedies that pull that off that well and still have humanizing moments like trying to save my dad or trying to get the girl which again are are small plot points but uh they 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 do lace in and out of you know don't take no shit from anybody i i like that idea of uh <laughs> you know of of a comedy movie and it's it's an original idea who have you ever thought oh man it would be great to uh, have a revenge for hire business. I don't think I've ever had that thought in my life, uh, or I would have if I hadn't seen Dirty Works. It's a pretty original idea, and I I, I appreciate that to the nth degree. And, and that's barring just that idea. Uh, now, throwing into the, the mix that I think that the screenplay is uh, top-notch. I think there are very few... Uh, pauses between either a setup and a punchline. There's always something in the works for... Ah, in the works. Uh, there's something always in the dirty works uh, to set up a joke uh, and to, to, you know, actually uh, release the punchline. And even when that... Even when there are little uh, spaces of not setting up a punch, they are doing a callback. So they just throw that in. Uh... And that's, that manifests in the tape recorder and the fact that uh, Norm MacDonald always gets thrown out on his ass. The hooker uh, thing that I told you keeps coming back up. Uh, the rape thing, that uh, the male rape thing that keeps coming back up. It, the, there are so many callbacks to previous jokes that they lace in to, like I said, fill those gaps in. Uh, and the third is that it's so star-studded for no reason. Like, this is a... Uh, not a shit movie as far as quality, but a shit movie as far as, like, I'm sure they had no budget and, <laughs> and shit. And yet they managed to get, you know, especially in the 90s, what were the top comedic actors of their time uh, into this one little, one little, you know, against all odds movie, taking no crap from anybody movie. Uh, and it, that even of itself is like this meta thing of, like, why the fuck is Adam Sandler in this movie as a fucking dancing satan <laughs> why the fuck is john goodman in this movie why the fuck is gary coldman in this movie like there's just so many people where you're like okay i guess that's happening now uh and i i love it i i hope that you guys will go out and rent or find dirty works and give it a listen let me know what you think if i'm full of shit if i don't know what i'm talking about let me know but i'm pretty sure i'm not because god damn it i have a podcast and that's not easy to do right you got to go through so many channels to be able to... Uh, it's quality control, people. It's quality control. There are no podcasts out in the world today that are not absolutely quality controlled and not lying their asses off. Uh, <laughs> sarcasm. Uh, everybody, uh, please, yes, please go out, watch Dirty Works, enjoy it. And, you know, watch uh, Amy Schumer's Trainwreck, too. I think I, uh, I think I tore that movie A New Asshole... Uh, even though I, I legitimately enjoyed it, I just wish that it would have been better. Uh, and who the fuck am I? You know, I got a shitty podcast and a comedy career that's going uh, vaguely upwards. 
and, uh, you know, I'll write a movie, and that way I can dissect that, and you guys can come back and listen to me go, like, wow, I didn't really do that very well, did I? Uh, but I'll have Bob Saget shoot it, because I, uh, I think he did a good directing. Uh, There's a lot of wide shots. That's where comedy lives, in the wide. Uh, not a lot of close-ups, which is, there's that, that's another thing for another time. So, Thank you all for listening to another episode of Just a Tad. Uh, my name is Sam Norton. Uh, you guys are wonderful. Please look me up on Instagram, Twitter, my website, and Facebook. Every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I update with uh, Monday Memos, which is a comic I do, and Daydream, which is another online comic I do. And then every Tuesday, come back right here, right now, to listen to another episode. I will see you next week. Enjoy and find your own comedy. I love you all very much. Goodbye. Wake up, fuck!